Now, let me ask you a question. Are you frustrated with how long it takes to get stuff done in your construction company or with how chaotic or confusing things seem to get? Well, then let me tell you about a much better way of getting work done. And let me tell you about an amazing tool that will help you overcome the frustrating log jams in your construction company. Sweet Process is a simple but powerful tool that lets you create clear step-by-step instructions for every task in your construction company, from writing proposals to executing client work to responding to client requests, so everything gets done more easily and more reliably. Plus, you'll have a central place where everyone who works with you, your employees, contractors, and even virtual assistants can access your procedures anytime from any device. The best way to understand how Sweet Process streamlines your work is to start using it. The company offers an amazing 14-day free trial, but as a loyal listener of this podcast, you can try for 28 days free of charge. You don't even have to enter a credit card to get started. Just navigate to sweetprocess.com backslash AFT construction to start your free 28 day trial today. I am passionate about people having a great experience. This is blood money and it's something you can't get back that week, that experience. Yeah, you can go back, but that particular time you can't get it back. And I hope that it's done right for you. Welcome to episode 88 of the AFT Construction Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Levitt. And in this episode, we speak with Kimberly Croft, who is a travel advisor. And I was really excited about this episode. It's a little bit different than a lot of the other podcasts we have from entrepreneurship, and it's important to travel. You know, this is what inspires many of us work so that we have the opportunity to travel and see the world. And I'm a big proponent of travel because we can understand different cultures and people and, uh, you, you know, our world creation. There's so much out there that, you know, brings that value to us and and, and brings happiness. And, and this episode was super fun because we really dove into what is a travel advisor. A lot of us are familiar with OTAs, right? This is the online travel agencies, you know, Expedia and Travelocity. Why do we need a travel agent at this time, right, in this market? And what is the value? What do they do? How do they help us? And you start thinking about timeshares. Are they important? Should we sign up for a timeshare? Does it relate to us? You know, what are the do's and don'ts of traveling? How do we understand some of the secrets that are there at everywhere that we travel and, and places that inspire us that might not be most well known that we're not thinking about traveling as a destination? So this conversation with Kimberly was amazing. She has been in the industry her entire life. She has a ton of knowledge, ton of expertise in regard to travel. And we even dove into credit cards. You know, what's the best credit card for credit card points? So a lot of knowledge she shared. Without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. And today we have with us Kimberly Croft, who is a travel advisor in Southern California. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you. It's glad to be here. I'm very excited to have you on because this is definitely a different angle of the podcast. You know, I'm always interested in bringing guests on that have a lot to offer from anything, you know, business, entrepreneurship, marketing, social media. And this is fun because it's in regard to travel, which, you know, I think all of us work and we aspire to travel, which is really important to all of us. So Mm -hmm. before we get off, you know, I really want to dive into some specific questions in regard to travel and the travel advisor and everything that you do and, and ways, you know, that we can take advantage of what's out there. But how did you get started in, in travel? Well, believe it or not, I was eight years old and I went to LAX. This was a long time ago, back in the day when you could freely roam the airports <laughs> and before the days of roller bags. And my grandmother was flying in. I'd never been on an airplane or been to an airport. We came into LAX and people back then dressed a little bit. I saw the suitcases, I saw flight attendants, pilots going, and I just had this surge of this energy that just came to me. I'm like, I got to have this. What is this? I want to be part of this. And I didn't really know how I was going to be part of that. We, We were a camping family. I still think camping's great, you know, but we didn't really travel. So then as I graduated from high school, I went to um, a junior college that had a travel program specifically. Wow. And went through that. Uh, it's called Mount San Antonio College down in... Oh, yeah. So I used to race there. Uh, you know, did you? Up some, yeah, I did. I, we'd have okay. uh, cross-country races there. Oh, did you? Yeah. So it's yeah. one of the few that had a real true vocational program for that. I didn't know if I was going to go the airline way or what. But So it was very hard to break into the industry. And I went into our local travel agency, and they wouldn't hire me without experience. I offered to be a free intern, and in two weeks, I was hired. And that was uh, over 30 years ago. Long well, it's ago. interesting. Kimberly, I have to interrupt you because what's interesting a lot, you know, when you relate this to business, and I'll even think about it in my industry, 
I'm often asked by people, uh, how do I get in? How do I break in? Mm -hmm. I don't have experience. And it's interesting because I've known quite a few people that have reached out either to their current employer or myself and said, hey, Brad, you know, we're willing to come work for no right. money, no compensation. We want to get experience, right? And then they earn their keep and work away. So it's a great avenue to break into any business, which you were one step ahead by doing this many years ago. Yeah. And it's, it is, if you're willing, if you want it bad enough, then you need to be able to show that and say, I'll, I'll show you how good I am and you don't have to pay me until you feel I'm worth it. And in two weeks, I proved my worth. And that's back in the day of the OAG. If um, anybody is <laughs> industry <laughs> veterans like me, when we had the big, these big Bibles that came out once a week and had all of the, we hand wrote tickets. Um, it was the glory days. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> and so it was just great people. And back then you had to use a travel agent to buy a ticket or mm -hmm. go on a cruise or anything. So of course it's, you know, it's evolved into now a lot of DIY and the internet. So let's dive into that because this is where it's really fascinating to me. I mean, you think about, as you mentioned, from traveling many years ago to now, it's totally changed. And really with smartphones and the internet mm -hmm. and accessibility and all these massive websites that anyone could go on and book vacations. So as it's changed over the last 30 years, you know, what is the advantage today to have someone such as yourself to have a travel advisor? Well, let me go two ways with that. First, I'm going to talk about what's called the OTA. The on, the, um, the OTA is like Expedia, um, Travelocity, mm -hmm. you know, those kinds kayak of hot wire, whatever, kayak, yeah. all that. Okay. So those are online travel. They really are a travel agency. They are mm -hmm. licensed. They have vendor contracts just like the kind that you see in your shopping center or somebody who works at home. You have to have contracts with your vendors in order to, like for me to sell a princess cruise, we need to have a contract with the princess to represent them, right? So, so how does that work? I mean, so, how, so, so, so if you're going to represent, yeah. They're going to pay, so we get paid, this is important to understand, we get paid th as a, through a commission structure and it's, it's, it's small. I will tell you, it's, it's smaller than retail, a lot smaller than retail. <laughs> and <laughs> you have to go in this business because you love travel. And... Um, those online agencies get the exact same commission structure for the most part as we do. So if you come to me and you want to book, let's say, a princess cruise to Alaska, and I'm going to talk about where what you're going to do in port, I'm going to find like the, the best cabin that's got the secret door out to the aft pool that I know about, I'm going to you know help you with all of that. I'm going to get paid a commission by Princess. You can call Princess, and you're going to get the same price. You can book it online with Expedia, and they are going to earn the commission, and you're going to do the work, and you're going to have no agent support. So that's interesting. So if I understand right, if I myself were to go book a cruise on Princess, and I go to Expedia or Travelocity or whatever, mm -hmm. or, the, or the cruise line direct, or you, all three are gonna be the same price. However, if I'm going to you, I'm not trying to figure out, well, where's this at on the ship? Where is my room? Where's my seat on the plane? I mean, this is where you have knowledge and direct access to say, I've been there, I know the ins and outs, and here's how you navigate that. That's true. We also have a lot of, we could see all of the rate codes. And honestly, we can, we'll do group booking, so we'll have some good, you know, some good rates. So will Expedia. We all have to contract. We can't undersell with the cruise line. We can't make up prices. I can't just undersell what their promotion is. But I might be able to maybe get a group contract and get some goodies or get some special codes. I can see what codes work. I have a lot of clients, like for instance, that don't drink. They don't want to pay for the drink package. So I know how to recode that so that they're going to save 300 bucks because they don't want the drink package. But it's just going to come with it if you're booking it online. Yeah, because if you're booking a resort that's all-inclusive or a cruise, so this is a way where they can save on actual costs by what fits them in their lifestyle. Right. And so what I'm saying is you're, you're not saving any money by booking it online because we all have the same access. And um, an agent may or may not, most agents don't charge a planning fee. Some of them do, especially if they're doing something very complicated, like all through Europe, you know, 21 days, 20 cities or something. But generally, and you just have to check with your agent, they may or may not charge a planning fee. Some charge a planning fee, but then they apply it towards your trip. I don't charge a planning fee at this point. Um, sometimes if it's just really complicated, but generally, 
there's no disadvantage for using a travel agent. That being said, I have friends and clients who just love to do it themselves. They just love the hunting and looking and finding. They want little special mid-century, you know, type of boutique places. And that's their passion. And that's probably the right person that should be doing it online. That's interesting. So going back to when you said planning fees, sometimes they charge that. How does that break down in itself? Is that more not for an individual who's reaching you, reaching out to you, but mm -hmm. a group that's going to be a little more right. complicated where you're trying to manage yes. a lot of different people coming from different areas or a convention? I do a lot of executive retreats and there's a, and sometimes I'm doing meetings with convention space and I might charge a pretty minimal planning fee, which is industry standard because I'm negotiating their PSAV and I'm getting it way down from what they can do. I'm planning what's, what's their PSAV? special. That's like all your audiovisual that's mm -hmm. in okay, your yeah. in your mm -hmm. conference room. Yep. Um and I'm really good at bulldogging my vendors down <laughs> for that. Uh, we're doing special dinners on the beach, we're setting up transportation. There's a lot of elements when you're doing a group. So it's pretty common to have a minimal per person planning fee that can be from Sometimes it's 25 bucks. Some agents charge up to, you know, $100 and $125. So some are more. It, you just have to ask what their event fee is. But that's pretty fair because it is hours and hours and hours of work to do an executive retreat or a convention. Yeah. there. I was just in a conference in Ohio, you know, this past weekend with one of my groups. And it is. I mean, when you think about the logistics of 20 builders coming from all over the country and staying somewhere and then having a conference room and as you mentioned, making sure all the audio is right. And, right. You know, and, yeah. and we have a guest speaker come in and they got they need to hook up and make sure they can speak. Right. And so there's a lot of logistics behind that that many of us who haven't planned that don't anticipate. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And if it's a big convention, you're going to be paying a lot higher um, fees if it's hundreds of people for that. But that's, you know, there's a lot of agents agencies that specialize in really, really large group conventions. That's kind of a whole different a whole different booking area. Um, I do large groups, but uh, it's there's people that specialize in those big conventions where there's 1,500 people. You know, so yeah, that's so, that's a whole other thing. So if I were a layperson, you know, and I'm used to now in this media age where I'm finding everything online, I'm finding it through the website or Costco mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. You know, how would I find a travel advisor where I'm like, okay, I'm buying a general package or I'm buying general. You know, but I want some behind the scenes stuff. You know, I want some direct access or location where someone has some inside knowledge. You know, how how does someone find you, Kimberly Croft, or another travel advisor in their local market? Usually re referrals, ask around. Most people will know one or two that they've used before that were really good. So I would just kind of ask around. Um, you can even go in and talk to them and get a feel and just talk to maybe call a couple have a conversation most agents worth their salt are going to give you easily 30 minute con consultation where you just talk about what you're thinking and you can feel like is this a good fit for me i love that so what other things would a travel advisor be a benefit for us as the consumer so when you you mentioned you know we know where you should stay on a cruise right and where you have better access to the pool or whatever amenity they're looking for. You know, what else is there that we're probably not going to get if we go to an OTA like an Expedia? Right now, we're going to be your COVID advisor. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's our, our, new, uh, our new role. We're really becoming expert. We get daily updates on, you know, different countries, what the regulations are, where you get your testing. Here's, here's a few things I'll just throw out that um, – would be useful for an advisor. Should I'm going? I'm going to Africa. What's better, South Africa or East Africa? Um, I'm going to Alaska. I want to have a couple of days before my cruise out of Seward. It's a little far to go to Denali. What can I do for two days? I want to go to Kenai Peninsula. Should I go there? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to get a car for you. I'm going to put you on the train. I'm going to tell you to do the Orca cruise in June instead of the Kenai Peninsula. I'm going to tell you where to go. I'm going to tell you the secret place where you can rent your car, that you, you know, all, where, to, where to store your luggage while you're on the little Kenai cruise. There's so many little things like that. Um, I have, you're going on a Paul Gauguin cruise to Tahiti. Your cruise gets in at 8 a.m. Saturday morning. Your flight leaves at 11 o'clock p.m. What do I do that whole day? How can I work around that? Um, I'm going to Tahiti and I want an overwater bungalow, but my budget is this. How can I, where should I 
be over water? Where should I be in a garden villa? Where should I be in a beach villa? How do I get between the islands? Um, sometimes these OTAs will book you on a flight at four o'clock. You get in at nine o'clock at night. Then you've got to spend the night in Papayete, which is kind of a pit, um, unnecessarily versus an agent who's going to carefully look at the flights and put you on the overnight flight so you immediately connect over to your outer island. So there's just a lot of things like that. Also, there's a lot of agents who will help you while you're traveling. I was in Tokyo a few years ago with my daughters. I booked my tickets through my agency. And uh, a typhoon was coming. No, they call it typhoon. Yeah, they call it typhoon. Big typhoon was coming. Mm -hmm. And we had to get out of there. And we called the airlines for two days. There was no flights. There was no flights anywhere. I called my agency and in 10 minutes, my rock star agent, Nicole, had me on a flight to Manila. <laughs> we just go, we're like, I don't care. Just get me out of here. And we missed being stuck in Tokyo for a week in a, in a hotel room with everything closed down. So sometimes it's just great to have that person that can help you while you're traveling. I, it's fascinating to hear that because when I, you know, I think about times where I've traveled, I have six kids, so it's very complicated when we travel. It's mm -hmm. quite an adventure, you know, and you know, when you think about going to a new destination, whether it's U.S. or abroad, it is always good, right? If you're going to speak to someone that's been there, hey, what restaurants are good? And, you know, I know mm -hmm. on social media you can put a connection out there, but I have someone like such as yourself, Kimberly, that's going to say, okay, look, here's the airline you need to travel on. Here's where you need to stay. Here's some of the adventures that are out there. And so, I mean, of course, this comes with knowledge and experience and you've been to these places and you've counseled. You know, and so you've been in the industry, I mean, your entire life. And so you have this knowledge and, and that's really the asset you bring. And, and so in addition to not only your knowledge and experience and everything you've gained over the years, when you mentioned the example of finding a flight at the last minute, do you have different access than we do, or you just have more knowledge? I mean, how does that come into play for, you know, booking something last minute or the logistics of a rental car to go to a certain place? The travel agencies have access to what's called the GDS system. And they have live inventory. It's where you're looking at Google Flights or Kayak. You're looking at available flights, possibly, and some prices. But an agent can look at all the airlines at one time. And they can see really live availability. And they just have better, a better way of searching. And we can put in different connecting airports. We can ask for a specific time. Uh, we can issue the ticket immediately. And it, and change things and just really manage those tickets a lot better. Uh, there usually is a fee for tickets because they don't really pay us a commission on that, but that's up to you if you want that. Um, also, like let's say you'd say, I want to take my family to Paris, but I have a 14-year-old. What do I do with the 14-year-old? <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm going to be like, you're going to take him to the Army Museum where he's going to see Napoleon's horse, which is taxidermied, and he's going to see the weapons. He's going to, I'm going to put him on a secret bike tour. I'm going to take you to go down to the catacombs and see all the skeletons. I'm going to put you on a golf cart in Versailles. I'm going to have you climb the Tower of Notre Dame. An agent's going to take a city like that, and you're going to tell me, I've got a 14-year-old kid who doesn't want to go to Europe, and I'm going to try to make it really interesting for him. And I love that because I think that is the biggest predicament as far as many of us travel. When you spoke of the database, that ring with me because, you know, we do have limited information based on what's online. I mean, it's, you know, if I'm traveling on mm -hmm. any airline and I won't call them out just for whatever reason, but if right. there's an issue or delay or whatever, the ability to, and, and the reason I bring this up, we recently went as a family to Maui and we have six kids and it was, it was an event with COVID <laughs> trying to understand Okay, we, we, first off, we have to get tested within 72 hours, right? right? And then we have to make sure that everyone passes. And then we have to make sure the place we go to is certified by the state of Hawaii. And then we have to make sure that it's the right test that they approve. And the reason I bring this up is because on our way home, there was a gentleman I was speaking with and he had to go to customer service. He had been in the airport all day. He arrived from New York State in the morning. The place he had went to was not accepted by the state of Hawaii. So now here oh. he is. He can't get out of the terminal. He flew in on Hawaiian. Hawaiian was not returning, so he's trying to find American or a different flight. Oh. It's just super complicated. And that's where, when you're trying to do it yourself, you kind of get stuck in this, the information we have, as opposed mm -hmm. to someone says yourself that's going to say, no, let's go into the database and here's the airline leaving, here's how you can get back. Or as you mentioned, COVID protocol, where parts of the world are still closed and some are open to us now. 
Mm-hmm. And we'll give you the right information going. And uh, and like I said, doing it yourself and finding something, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I've always felt like everybody likes, most people, I should say, like to travel in one degree or another, whether it's camping or it's staying in five-star and everything in between. And everybody's dollar is worthwhile. Everybody has the right to have you know, a good experience to the best they can. And if you, I've told, sometimes I've had young, cute clients who just don't have the money for a really fancy vacation and they want to go to Hawaii. I say cheap Hawaii is better than no Hawaii. So it's okay if, if your budget is, you know, is kind of low. But as we talk about getting ready to plan your trip and people say, well, I want a really good deal. Well, who doesn't, (laughs) right? Everybody, everybody wants a good deal. We get that. But then you have to say, do you want, do you just want a good deal? Or do you want the experience that you really, really have planned on and hoped for? So let's talk a little bit about, you know, but like you said, you've got six kids. So for you, it's like, well, times, times eight, right? When you go someplace, you get to buy eight yep. tickets. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, right? That, that's, that's, yeah, go ahead. So, but if it's you and your wife and you want to take her to some place and in your mind you're thinking we're going to go to this beachfront hotel, we're going to open the lanai and there's going to be the ocean below us, but you're like, I want the cheapest thing I can get. In your mind, are you imagining walking down the back of the hall to the last room and opening it and seeing the cars in the parking lot out your window? You have to, you know, think, is that that that's the cheapest thing I'm going to get. Is that really the experience I want? Or can I spend a little more and have this really great room? And I can tell you this, Brad, when you have a great room with a great view, you will remember that trip way differently than you will with the room with the parking lot. And I'm, mm-hmm. not, trying to, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm just trying to tell you that when you think about budgeting, what is it that you really are expecting from this trip? So if you want those experiences that you think are in your mind or you've seen, you have to figure out how to put that in your budget versus if you just want the cheapest thing possible, then you're going to get, <laughs> and that's okay. I'm just saying it's, you, you can't have, yeah, there's specials. Yeah, you can travel off season. You can go to Bora Bora in February when it's cheaper, but you're going to have rain half your week. Is that worth it? Yeah. So, and that's I mean? really, yeah. And that's really good advice because when you think about just that question, I mean, I, I look at anyone traveling, no matter what aspect of life, right? They, everyone has a budget. I mean, my clients have a budget. We talk about this all the time in construction. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what end of the spectrum, they're going to be very cautious about every dollar. They're going to want to understand our compensation, how everything is priced out. And you, you know, all these things are really important to anybody. And so for you to be able to say, Yes, you know, what's your priority? If you, Hawaii is better than no Hawaii, so let's budget. So you can help game plan a strategy financially as mm-hmm. well as entertainment and the beach views, as you mentioned, and all these great things, depending mm-hmm. on the client experience and what, you know, what stage of life they're at. And most, most agents that are decent size are going to have contracts with hotels where we're going to be able to give you the upgrade, give you free breakfast. We can give you an early check-in. We can email the rep and say, hey, I've got an anniversary couple coming. I want you to take care of them. So most agencies have really good contracts that you as the public don't have at these hotels. And that's all over the world. So that's that's pretty standard. So that's another great advantage of using a really reputable travel agency because they have they have the ability to give you something that you may not be able to get on your own. Well, it's interesting you say that because we think, I mean, life, I remember my coach in high school, he said, Brad, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? And it's, <laughs> That's true. I, but there's a lot of truth to that. And, and I've seen that throughout my career and, and life. And, and it's not so much in, in the mentality to take advantage of someone or whatever, but as you make connections and friendships, yes, for you, Kimberly, to have connections or the agency that does where, mm-hmm. hey, I have so-and-so coming for an anniversary. Oh, yeah, we'll do something extra, which you're not going to get that from a bulk buy, right? Mm-hmm. No. And, and through an online. And that's the advantage. And so one thing I wanted to ask you, too, because I'm, I'm understanding a lot more of the benefits now of having a travel advisor. Now, timeshares, right? This is something that a lot of us know someone owns a timeshare. They bought, mm-hmm. they you know buy at different times. So in your experience, are there pros to buying a timeshare? And is there value there for the consumer? 
Um, I will tell you, when I went to, I transferred to university, I was a financial planning advisor. So I kind of like the finance side. As an investment, a financial investment, it is not a great financial investment. You don't, you're not going to make money on buying a timeshare because mm-hmm. you're going to sell it for less than you bought it for. If you go to Red Week, you know, you can see these timeshares for sale all the time for and way less Red than Week? people. Uh, it's like it's like a timeshare, not only purchasing, but also a rental. It's actually one of the better places to go. People want to rent timeshares or all those timeshare clearinghouses or whatever, you know, Airbnb, all that. Um, so it's not a great value as far as an investment. But for a lot of people, they like the idea that they're going to have the same place every year, the same brand every year. I have a friend who owns one and she said it was the only way that she knew her husband would take a vacation every year, right? <laughs> because they, they were paying Marriott for you know all this money. Yeah. <laughs> However, I will tell you, versus going to a resort and having a vacation, they aren't a great value because you have those annual fees, which are $900 to $1,800, depending on your, you know. I did some math um, about a year ago, and the average you're going to spend if you buy like a higher end, you know, a Marriott or something, Timeshare. You're spending about five fifty to six fifty a night, is you know right. over over like ten fifteen years. So that's you're not getting a crazy good deal on it. But for some people, they really like you know that they have that same place to go and they go every year. And once they've paid it off, they're only paying you know those fees. The but it's fees. Not, but at, you know I'm not a timeshare person. We have the saying that. Um, it's called vacation ownership because it owns you. <laughs> so they're they're really hard to you know to get rid of, but we don't you know we can sell into them, but it doesn't give you variety. So you have this timeshare at this place, and if you love that and you want to go back to that same place every year after year, then it might be it might be good for you. But for a lot of people, they want you know one year they want to go to Costa Rica, one year they want to go to Europe when you're they want to go to Canada. So your timeshares aren't really everywhere. Yeah, and that's something important to look at. And you know, I I know one of the sales pitches, you know, from a lot of timeshare well, mm-hmm. you know, a lot depending on the brand, as you mentioned, some people like right. the brand, but it it could be where they say, Oh, but we have a two bedroom suite and you have a kitchen. And so if you have a large family or you have a large party that you travel with, you know, you don't have to go somewhere and book a hotel room where you maybe have three hotel rooms and kids are divided, right? right? Right. Um, but again, as you mentioned, when you think just financial investment, because for anyone listening that hasn't been through a presentation and understands the timeshare, ah. really what it comes down to is they sit down and there's a there's a purchase price mm-hmm. for a certain week or duration or point structure, whatever it is, into the timeshare. And it's a big purchase. And then as you mentioned, once you pay that off, you own it. However, there's still yearly maintenance fees and those maintenance fees accrue and are adjusted with inflation and maintenance and whatever else. And, and that really... If, if you divide it over the amount of nights you have, then that would be your cost per night, as you mentioned. But it's it's still it's still a lot. And you also don't get room. This is my big gripe. You don't get room service. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if I've, I've stayed at the Alani, let's say, which is one property that I really do like. And that's a Disney one in that's Oahu, a Disney, right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I've stayed there three times. Um, I've stayed at the Marriott Colina. I'll great places. I just stayed as a guest. I got maid service. The people who owned didn't get maid service. That makes no sense to me. As an owner, you can get new towels, but you have to pay for someone to clean your room. Yeah. But as a guest, <laughs> I get somebody to come and make my bed and clean my bathroom. So I, when I'm on vacation, that's, that's something that's important to me. And maybe it's not you know, for other people. But, yeah, and, and that's really important. So anyone that's considering a timeshare, I mean, of course, that's those are some of the cons. And when you think about the flexibility, if you weren't committed to a timeshare financial right. costs, and at least you have that flexibility where now you can use those funds or hopefully budget sure. and hopefully still yeah. make time for those vacations on your own. Right. right. It's not, like I said, it's not a financial decision. It's something that you really just want to have, but it's not a great financial investment. But it's certainly going to give you the assurity that you have a place that you're committed to. 
for 20 years. Now we're super excited. Welcome one of our new sponsors to the podcast, Pella Windows. And this is even more exciting because we use Pella in so many of our projects, nearly all of them. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relations with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And now let's get back into the episode. So how has COVID changed travel? I know a lot. we have some places opening up, and I know it varies, especially even by state here in the U.S. It, it varies. You know, some countries are saying, well, if you're vaccinated, you could come in. So how has COVID affected travel? How do you see that changing here in the next six months? Uh, COVID, <laughs> I was telling somebody that, you know, I have a lot of experience, and this is an industry that doesn't get easier the more time you spend in it. <laughs> It's just, it's become really challenging. With COVID, two things have really changed. One is insurance, which I want to address real quick. And we well, see- Well, I think this is important too, because the, the reason we have insurance, never in my life have I ever thought, yeah, do you want travel insurance? Yeah, I'll buy it. No, like you never buy that. However, all of a sudden COVID comes and you're like, did I get well, the insurance? Well, let me just, I want to address that because yeah. something you'll find interesting. And also we have new countries opening every day. And new, it'll open, it'll change. So right now, Greece is opening, and Croatia, Croatia has been open. Uh, Belize is open, Costa Rica is open, Iceland, Turkey. We, EU is supposed to be open by July. Denmark's opening the end of June. UK, who knows? Uh, Galapagos are open. Antarctica, Alaska is open, not by cruise ship, because Canada is not open. Egypt is open. Uh, Gorilla trekking, Africa is open. So it isn't, the world isn't as closed down as you think. The problem is Europe. <laughs> Europe is still, EU is not accessible. I shouldn't say Europe, EU. Any EU country is not acceptable, is not accepting Americans right now. And what are some of those countries that, for those listening in the so EU? So EU would be, you know, France, Spain, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, the ones that you think of when you go to Europe. You know, mm -hmm. UK is now, of course, not part of EU. A lot of the Western Yeah, European Western Europe, yeah. Um, even Eastern European countries are not... Um, you know, open. So that, we're hope Italy, you know, the faves, those yeah, are not right. open yet, right? And that's kind of why people are thinking I can't go anywhere, but we're getting close. But they're saying, like France is saying, if you're vaccinated, and that vaccination is going to be your key to a lot of places. And now right. let me talk about insurance real quick. Because yeah, please. This is, this is really important for your listeners to understand. Previously, you could buy insurance, you still could. And you could get your money back if your kid broke his leg or you got sick or your, you know, your mother died or some, something medical, an illness, uh, the airlines went out of business, something, th that kind of thing happened. COVID became something that was actually not covered because it was considered foreseeable. Insurance covers you for unforeseeable things. And since COVID is now foreseeable, you cannot get insurance that's going to cover you because of a COVID uh, changing the regulations of the country. If you were to contract COVID and couldn't travel, then your insurance would cover you. There is an insurance now called Council for Any Reason, which is sometimes acronymed CFAR. 
Again, this is only going to pay you anywhere from 50 to 70% of your cost, and it must be purchased on the day that you deposit for the full amount of your trip, and it's expensive. So this is where a travel advisor is really going to help you navigate insurance. I am able to go like through my wholesalers. I do a lot of wholesaling packaging, and I say, look, the hotel is telling me they have a three-day cancellation policy. I want the same. So I'm going to tell my clients, I maybe you don't need insurance because you know, you're going to get the airline credit and the hotel has this policy. But if you've got a big ticket and I've got somebody who's elderly, they had better be buying insurance because if they're putting twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 out on a non-refundable cruise or a trip and they get sick, the cruise lines, the airlines, the, the tour companies, they don't care. They want you to buy insurance because it invalidates everybody else who bought the insurance if they just give you your money back. Yeah, that's interesting. So to your point, when you're speaking about insurance, you know, most of us will understand, yeah, I'm going to buy travel insurance, not understanding the red tape or the fine print of it'll cover certain things, not, you know, but it won't cover others. It'll be a percentage of, right. you know, of cash back mm-hmm. of the cost of the trip. However, what you're mentioning is that if you have a travel advisor, well, now they could say, hey, you know, although they're asking for travel insurance, but the hotel will allow you to cancel within three right. days or seven days. So it's really close to the window where you could, you know, within three days, you should have a good feel if you're going to make the trip or not. Right. And I, I still I still advise them to take insurance, but we, you just have to say the insurance costs this much and this will be your penalty if you cancel and let mm-hmm. them make that decision. But generally, a travel advisor is going to advise you to take to have insurance to cover your investment. And if you are buying anything that has a non-refundable, you know, after you make your final payment and it's non-refundable, that's a lot of money that you're putting at risk without insurance. And even if your kid, you know, just bonks his head and breaks his leg or something and you can't go, you're not going to get your money back. Well, let me ask you this because... If you have insurance and let's say you're on a cruise line and the cruise lines have been really impacted through COVID, as we know, do you recommend that they take the cash refund or a credit? Is there an advantage to either one? Um, As the cruise lines were pausing their cruises and offering 125% future credit, if you knew you were going to cruise, it made sense to take the credit because we're seeing the pricing increasing about 25%. So you're getting more for your money. That's if you you know that you're going to cruise. If you know you're going to cruise, I would take the credit. And that makes sense. And and that's just when you think of just our current market, right? Right. One thing we're dealing with in construction is inflation and cost of supplies right. and materials. I mean, it's really lumbers up, you know, 300%. I, mean, it's I just know. A, it's insane. And- construction costs are through roof. But so you think about it as travel becomes more expensive and gasoline, petroleum is more expensive. And yep. All these things, fuel. food, you know, yeah, fuel. I mean, everything is just, this is reality. So if you're traveling, if instead of taking a thousand dollar credit, you may take a free cruise later. Well, that value could be a lot more beneficial if you plan on doing the cruise at some point. For sure. And I'm already seeing the 2022 price increases and, you know, fuel costs and making up for losses. It's definitely going to, you're definitely going to see higher higher cost airline tickets if anybody's been looking at airline tickets my clients have said wow look at these prices i'm like i know <laughs> it's like so it's it is not going to be the day of the 499 cruise is over it's like it's yeah it's you know it's time to there's still deals you know there's people that just want to go someplace because it's they watched scott's whatever was that scott's cheap's flight and columbia's mm-hmm. on sale for 399 we're going to columbia you know maybe you didn't want to <laughs> go and that's that's the way they roll so, and do you see that? I mean, I would assume it's the same for the travel industry as the construction industry, where where prices continue to escalate, fuel continues to escalate, and so inflation, which is a whole other topic for another podcast. But I mean, the reality is that costs are going up, and so you do anticipate that travel. You know, a lot of people haven't second home and are willing to get out, and and do you see that changing a lot from airfare to hotels and? Yeah, and people are also just going to one place and kind of making it their base and kind of exploring out. But we're also seeing a lot of people who have traveled and they want kind of something new. So people want to go, like Antarctica is hot, Galapagos is hot, Iceland, gorilla trekking in Rwanda. You know, river cruises will come back really popular. Um, Croatia, Greece, a lot of these places are just going to be so 
you know, so hot. Tahiti, I booked so much Tahiti this year, and it's I cannot find availability like we used to. So Tahiti and Bora Bora are open right now. Uh, yes. So Tahiti is, just to clarify, the the country is called French Polynesia, and mm-hmm. island, the island is Tahiti that you go to, but we kind of catch it all, just call it Tahiti. So you have the islands, you have, you know, Morea and Bora Bora, kind of the ones most people go to, and there's, um, you know, Rangaroa and Fakarava and Taha'a and all these little outer islands. And they are, we've had great sales this year in French Polynesia, and it paid off because it's it's just really, really popular. We had some good airfares. It's a great year to go to French Polynesia because it doesn't usually go on sale. And we've got some great welcome back offers. So maybe as Europe opens, you'll see kind of an introductory price to, to come back to a new destination that's been closed. That's the best time to go. The other nice thing is because there are the airlines are waiving all of their change fees, which I think you're aware of, you can book something pretty far out. And if the price goes down, you can rebook it and there's no penalty and you just have that extra credit. So there's no loss now in booking out. I tell people, you want to go to Alaska in 2022? The space is tight. Book it now. We can adjust that price code down as much as we want until final payment. There's no, there's no downside to booking out. Interesting. And, and are most airlines that way where they're allowing people to restructure, re- change their trip without a ton Domest- of impact fee? Domestically, domestically, Yes, for now. Now that could go back, but most airlines have waived their um, their change fees. Internationally, not so much. You do have to be careful. Um, a lot of those are starting to charge those fees. But your domestic tickets, if you want to go to Hawaii, like at Thanksgiving, I have people, should I book now? I'm like, heck yeah, book it now because it's probably not going to go down. But let's just say it does. You can You can rebuy the tickets if it's available at the lower price and then keep the credit for another trip. That's amazing. And so let me ask you this, how, because, and, and this is probably going back to the advantage of having a travel advisor, but you, you mentioned Tahiti, right? And you, as we're traveling in other parts of the world, right there, there's a great season to travel, right? It may not be mm-hmm. hurricane season and mm-hmm. you're not gonna have a ton of rain. And so mm-hmm. h- how does someone navigate the best time to travel? And even more so, not just from a weather and experience side, but a cost side, like, is there a better day to fly? You know, people say, yeah, fly on a Tuesday, return on a Wednesday instead of flying on a Friday or Sunday, right? I mean, are there better times, and you have a lot more access to this as far as times to travel, times a year, and then, of course, the experience side of it? Generally, weekend travel is higher. I'd say uh, Caribbean, Mexico, Hawaii, you know, Europe, not so much. But generally, you are going to see some weekend price pricing being higher because of the demand, you know, that works well for people's work schedule, for kids' school schedules. So you are going to see that. As far as the, you know, book it on a Tuesday night at midnight, I don't know. No one knows the mystery of who the system analysts are that are <laughs> the masochists of the industry in there, like changing the airfares. And, you know, we don't, I, I don't, I can't tell you that. No one knows when the best time to buy. That's just kind of, people have tried to figure that out. But generally, you're right. If you're traveling midweek, it generally is less, you know, going at off times, that kind of thing. If you can do shoulder season, like we went to Costa Rica in May. So, for instance, in Costa Rica, the season changes May 1st. It goes from their drier season to what's called their green season. And if you can get on May 1st, you're still in good weather, but the prices go down 30%. So... Like that's a really great timing to just to try to get that little window in there. But then when you go into July, you're going to be in the rainy season. So, but May, you're still, you know, you're still good. If you go, I shouldn't say, it it can get some rain in July. But if you go in October and September and October in Costa Rica, it's going to be a good deal. But you are going to get a good amount of rain every afternoon. Yeah, and that's important to navigate because when you think about it, I know I've spoken to clients where uh, they've been to Hawaii or Costa Rica and it rained the whole time. And that's, mm-hmm. you really want to try to avoid that. I mean, not that you can't have storms come up. I mean, we understand mm-hmm. that. But, right. but yeah, you there are know. types of season where you're playing the averages, right? For sure. And, but like if you go to Kauai or, you know, in February, March, April, it's more likely going to rain, I, I can't predict, you know, than it would like in the fall. But that's that's just 
you know, the way it is, maybe that's your schedule. But I know people who've gone and had a great week in February. I know the people who had it rain the whole time. So, but generally we kind of know the patterns, you know, of things. If you want to go to Greece during the summer and that's the time you think you want to go, I'm going to tell you that it's 110 degrees in Santorini. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's really, really, really hot. And you may not be prepared for that. So you're looking at pictures and you don't know what the air feels like. Yeah, and that's really important to consider too, because when you're thinking Rome, for instance, I know you know if you're traveling in the spring, it can be really beautiful, and you can get some good weather. But in the summer, it's really hot, right? And so if you're touring, you know the tourist attractions, and you're walking through the Colosseum or something, if it's super hot that time of year, you know, and and maybe it's a heavy travel season too, where a lot of people are traveling, and, and you want to consider the crowd control as well. And you're bringing, think about this: you're bringing your kids. You know, you've got your 11 year old son. And it's 90 degrees in Rome and you're going to the Colosseum and the guy's talking in his ear and he's just melting. (laughs) You have to to think about how, if you're going to take your kids to Europe, they don't want to see every castle. They don't really care about all the, some do, I shouldn't say all of them, but you know, the history, the the narrators are going on and on and they'll take a piece of art and they're talking for 15 minutes about this piece of art. So like if I have families that go to Italy, I'm going to put them in a pizza making class, a gladiator class. I'm going to talk to the tour guide and say, look, you get your max is five minutes on each piece of art. (laughs) You know, like you really, I I say, bring squirt bottles, like do your tour early in the morning, late in the afternoon. Don't take them to the Coliseum at two o'clock in August. They are not going to be, they're going to be melting. Um, You've got a lot of flying and be prepared for that. I, I, I know somebody who has a, um, a great little kit called uh, Mini Voyager. And I think you can find that online and uh, I think on Instagram. And it's like a little kit that's got all kinds of things for the airplane. You know, pe- I see people on the airplane with their kids with nothing. But <laughs> like, you got, <laughs> you've got 11 hours here. You know, think about not only being there, but think about the trip. What can you bring? And I tell people, navigate also where you're planning your tours, but do you have rest time? Do you have pool time? Do you have time to just sit around and let them just have some, you know, you have your kids, don't they just, they need a break. They can't they be do. going, going, going. Right. And they, they're better travelers when you let them kind of not be, not be paced at the pace that you want to go. They don't like to be rushed. Yeah. And that's great advice. So let me ask this, cause this is where it gets a little complicated is the credit card, right? You have a lot of people that use their credit card by intent because there's credit card fees or I should say credit card points, right? Every time you spend, right. you get points and you accrue those. Right. Um, and, and we'll get into a little bit later how that impacts or how they could still coordinate with the travel advisor, maybe that aspect, but are there certain credit cards that are better? Are there certain reward systems that are better that you've seen your customer base have success with? I would say, look, we we take all kinds of credit cards. We take credit card payments, no problem. Any agency will. So it doesn't matter what you use. But use the credit card that gives you back what you use the most. So let's say you're a Marriott loyalist. Then get the Marriott card and get that sign-up bonus. So you get, whatever, 70,000 points. And all your points are going to be going towards Marriott points because that's what you that's what you really have a loyalty to. I like something that has my my husband's a big United guy, so he has a United card, and he uses that advantage. And now when he flies, he gets upgraded because we put you know so much towards the United card, even though it's just a Chase Visa. It's United points. I personally like the Chase Sapphire, um, which is yeah, kind that of one's neck really good. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's neck and neck with the American Express Platinum. I right. think they're really pretty close. They're really close. Um, the Sapphire gives you a little more in travel money. It gives you $350. I believe the Platinum doesn't give you as much. It gives you it towards, I think, other Uber or something like that. It also gives you the Priority Pass where American Express has the Centurion Lounge, which it depends on where you travel, you know. But I like that card because I earn a lot of points and I can use it on any airline. And I use it all the time. I travel all the time on my my Chase Sapphire um, rewards. So, but look at, you know, I also have the American Express Bonvoy card, which I like. I like American Express and I get a lot of, uh, I used to be a Starward, Starward fan, but now of course they're owned by Marriott, but I really mm-hmm. like the benefits that used to come with that. And that's a pretty good card because I can also use that for, um, you know, any airline, 
lots of different things like that. So it's definitely wise to use your card as much as possible. And the best thing you can do is that sign up bonus, because that sign up bonus, you're never going to earn 70,000 points or something. You know, that's that a fast. lot of purchasing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have to do that. The Alaska Airlines with the companion fare right now, they're giving you, I don't know, 40,000 points. Plus you get the companion fare. They're giving you the $100 to pay for the annual fee. That's a great card too. We have the Alaska card because every year we get a companion ticket for 99 bucks. So that's when that's a hundred dollar ticket to Hawaii or Alaska or you know wherever we're going. So just it's it is worthwhile, I think, to use cards that give you the value where you are gonna use it. And and I love that you share that because what's interesting is when you start thinking about the credit cards and specifically as you mentioned, like the sapphire. So, you know, if you have let's say 100 points, I believe the Sapphire gives you 35% more. So it's 135 mm -hmm. points. And if you mm -hmm. have the ink, the Chase ink is 25%. And so right. there's savings or discounts, you know, as you apply it to travel as opposed to cashing out. And then, you know, you have access to the lounge clubs at certain airports, which is nice for mm -hmm. layovers. But it was interesting because, and this is not that we're trying to make this an economics thing, but I remember being in college and I had an economics professor and he said, his point was, he said, why doesn't everyone use credit cards? And, you know, a lot of people rose their hand, you know, like, well, it's not financially sound and credit card debt and stuff. And he said, he, you know, his explanation was this, that if you are budget savvy and you understand how to pay your bills in time and you track all your purchases, just like you would a debit card, the advantage is if someone steals your credit card information and they make purchases, you call the credit card company mm -hmm. and they have a million lawyers that fight that <laughs> and they fight the cost and they take it off your account and it's done. If they take your debit card, there's no lawyers to fight for that. Mm -hmm. You have to go fight the bank and fight to get that cash back on your debit card. And so just that alone, and it was interesting. My wife and I, as I mentioned, we're in conference for Builder 20. We're in line for Hertz. And the lady in front of us was checking out her Hertz car, you know, and, and she she doesn't have a credit card. She only uses debit cards. And so mm -hmm. her she was arguing with... Uh, uh, the person working there and saying, hey, you're going to take a $500 hold out of my account. I mean, this is cash out of mm -hmm. my debit card I can't use mm -hmm. because for incidentals, right? And she's all, I don't want that. I want a way around them. They're all, well, you need to use a credit card. And she's all, well, I'm financially sound. I don't have credit cards. And the person kind of looked at her like, well, if you have a credit card, we just put a hold on the account. It doesn't take cash right. out of your account, but there's no way around that. And so not that we're trying to sell credit cards, but there are advantages as we understand some of the benefits, as you mentioned, that are out there. It protects you. Also, America, like I know my American Express protects me against bankruptcy. So I actually had tickets on um, an airline that went bankrupt last year, South African Airways, in bankruptcy status. And I was able to get my money back because that airline declared bankruptcy. Interesting. So yeah. there's there's a lot of protection with credit cards. I, I, they're also, for us as a vendor, we feel protected because you know, we don't have to wait for your money. We have, we, we need a refund. It can go back to your credit card. It's just, it's just the way you need. And when you're traveling internationally, um, almost any place takes a credit card. Most credit card companies waive international foreign they transaction do fees. Yeah. Uh, those mm -hmm. are easy to get around. I do suggest taking an ATM card when you travel internationally and not taking the currency of the country you're going to because you're going to be paying a, yeah you're going to pay a hefty fee on the front end you just have to go to the ATM you're going to get the bank rate and you there's no fee there's well 395 but if i'm going you know to europe and i want euros i just put my ATM card in i'm going to get the bank rate of my euros not going to travel act where they're going to charge me 10% so it's always wise to have your ATM um, card with you to get to get the local currency. So there's no reason to buy it in advance and lose that money. Also, most good banks will take your currency back and return it back to U.S. dollars. So I came back with euros. I was able to deposit that and get that back into cash. But check with your bank, not coins, but you know, actual. Yeah, they don't take the dollars. coins, but they'll take the cash. They'll take the cash. Yeah. Most good banks will do that. And you know, I you try to I try never to have more than two hundred euros or whatever equivalent of two hundred dollars in, in cash at a time when I'm traveling, just in case there is thievery or something like that. But it's just it's just the easiest way to do it. There's ATMs, you know, everywhere in the world. Every, everywhere you can find an ATM. Yeah, so you bring up Europe, you know, especially with the Euros and as you're traveling. So when you're in Europe is there a better way to travel around that country? Do you recommend staying in well-known hotels or brands that we're familiar with or hostels? I mean, 
Airbnbs. I mean, have you seen people have the most success traveling to Europe? Well, as a travel advisor, I'm going to tell you to stay in a hotel because that's, <laughs> that's what we sell. And I love a hotel. I love a good hotel. I like a front desk. I like to where I can go ask questions. I like someone to make my room every day. I like being centrally located. That's super important. I like mm -hmm. that it's clean. I like that it's safe, that I have a door to a hallway. I don't have to go find the key when I arrive late at midnight, you know, down the road, up some stairs from somebody who doesn't speak English. Uh, an Airbnb is kind of a surprise. I do know people who've had great success with them. And I also have gotten calls from people who say, it smells like cigarettes. <laughs> the toilet doesn't work. You have, you got no recourse. I had a friend who went to Kauai over Thanksgiving. Their Airbnb, the air conditioner broke. They had no AC for a week. There's no place to go with it because you're not in a hotel. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, you have great stories with them. We don't sell them. I personally like the a hotel that's been vetted, that we can give you some great amenities with it. It's going to be a good location. Everything's going to work. And if it doesn't, they're going to fix it or they're going to move you. So I, I'm, I'm a hotel person. I feel like that adds to the experience of where you're going. I've stayed in some really bad hotels. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, really bad hotels like south america i mean just incredibly incredibly bad hotels so but i'd still take i would still take a bad hotel i think over um something that's far outside the city center that i have to take you know a, a train in or a bus in every day even in a city i want a comfort break i want to be able to go to my hotel and you know have that accessibility so location 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 is just really important when you're like in Europe or a place that's a city-based vacation. Yeah, there, there's no doubt that there's some sound advice there when you think about location, you know, proximity to some of the monuments and places you'll be, mm -hmm. safety, which is mm -hmm. really key, right, to be in a safe mm -hmm. area. And cleanliness, right? As you mentioned, if there's right. an issue with AC, well, those move to a different room as opposed to <laughs> we're stuck in the Airbnb until they get it fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so let me ask you this too, Kimberly, is what are, you know, when you think about travel, um, what are some of the best destinations that the normal consumer may not know? Um, I think like one of my favorites is, believe it or not, is Alberta. And people are surprised by that. Like, really? And I just think it it's not cheap. But it is, when you talk about grandeur, spectacular views, like just awe-inspiring to see creation like that, I think that Alberta just really delivers that. It's just gorgeous glacier you know up through alberta that just that's just creation at its best it's just magnificent it's not architecture like europe okay but that's if you like if somebody who just wants to see the vistas and the beauty of the earth then you know um iceland iceland also has really unique topography and and really interesting stuff like that and so also new zealand just gorgeous vistas, but it doesn't have the architecture like you would get in, in Europe, you know, and the, and the same kind of history. So that's why it's important that you talk to your travel advisor and find out what you're going. I love Costa Rica. I think it's a great destination for every age. Um, it can be done from economy to luxury. I think uh, I like I like the I like everything. You know, well, it's interesting since say, you were saying you know, that one place I've always wanted to visit is Banff, right? Which is in Alberta, uh, I believe, right? You gotta go, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I like to golf, of course, and there's an amazing <laughs> golf course there. But even if you go in the winter, I mean, just the the surroundings of the forest and the mountains. I mean, it's everything so is it's so beautiful. I went. I've been there in April. I've been there in the summer a couple times, and. When you're standing up on top of Sulphur Mountain and all you can see is range after range as far as the eye can see, it's it's just glorious. It's just fantastic. And then you go to Lake Louise and that hotel, the Chateau Lake Louise, is one of my favorite hotels in the world. It is not cheap, but it delivers. And you're looking at that view that is it's just it's just so it's just so beautiful. It's just breathtaking. And it's not that far. So yeah, it's expensive to stay there, but your airfare is gonna be in the three hundreds versus going to Europe, you know, to see if you wanna to go to Switzerland but you can't afford it, you can go to Alberta and have a really beautiful place. Switzerland is one of my favorites. Love Switzerland. It is not cheap. 
There's <laughs> no, there's no way to do it um, as a bargain without staying, like I said, in something very, you know, local. And and like I tell people for Switzerland, it's such a small country. You can stay in one, you can stay in Bern, and you are an hour to an hour and a half to every major site in Switzerland. And you can get there. You can get the Swiss Rail Pass and and do it all. But I love that area. I love Germany, Austria, Switzerland. That's one of my top fives. Um, also, I like you know Africa, South Africa is fantastic. I do love French Polynesia. I got to say, Bora Bora. I was just going to ask that. Delivers. So I, I have to ask you this because I it delivers. It, yeah, as a kid, you know, it's funny actually. The, the when I got my first laptop, my screen monitor was Bora Bora. Right, it's a place I've always <laughs> wanted to go. I've never been. Ah. Um, someday I'll get there, but you got to go. Yeah, I know. And so everyone wants to stay, you want to stay in HUD or Bora Bora and, but we know the cost it's, it's one of the most expensive vacations you can take from flights and timing and just costs. And so it, it, is it one of those things where, Hey, we can find the VE, the value engineer Bora Bora, maybe in a part of Tahiti or Jamaica or something. Is there another destination to do, or do you just say, no, bite the bullet, save your money. You got to yep. do Bora Bora. There's no place like it. No other place has that water. The 42 colors of blue Mount Otamaru. You, it's, it is, it's, there's no other place. I've been to many, many places like it, but I will say I, we actually went to a lot of different hotels when we were there and I've stayed at some of the other different hotels. I stayed, one of my favorites is the St. Regis. I got to say there's just, that place is St. Regis is fantastic. It's fantastic. But there was, I stayed in the overwater bungalow and I went and saw the beach bungalows. I actually liked those beach bungalows and they save you a lot of money. You have Hmm. your own pool, you walk out. You know, you walk out to the beach. Um, it's a kind of a way to go there without spending so much money. And then maybe just, you know, do one night at the end at your overwater. And I'm on the overwater bungalow. I jump off my little thing. And I'm, it's kind of deep. I'm swimming around I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Like, it just, it, it I, I mean, I loved it. It was awesome. But, and I still say to have the overwater experience is great to do. But maybe like go to Marea and stay on the beach or stay, I might say go to the Conrad and do a beach bungalow for a few nights and then come over to the St. Regis and, or the Thalasso and do two nights in overwater. You know, so you can, there's ways to make Bora Bora work and still have a great experience, but maybe shave off some bucks by just doing an overwater at the very end for a few nights. You know, Again, this that. is why we need our travel advisor, right? Because yeah, right. you could stay in the bungalow, as you mentioned, it's fantastic, and then spend a couple of nights where you're not breaking the bank, essentially, and it, yep. it is achievable at some point in our life. Yeah, right? <laughs> totally. I, it's, uh, you know, uh, this has been a great year for um, French Polynesia. The pricing is pretty good, but I would say if you can uh, have a little fund, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a fantastic place. The other thing about Bora Bora is you don't have to stay there for a long time. You can stay for four nights, and that's actually a pretty good amount of time. You can do a couple nights on Marae or another island or Taha'a. You don't need a whole lot of time there. It's small. There's not a, there are things to do, but you don't need a long time there. And it's only an eight-hour flight from Los Angeles. Interesting. Well, this has been amazing information, Kimberly. I mean, it's just uh, your, your wealth of knowledge and expertise in this field, which so many of our listeners are fascinated with, including myself and my clients. I know that. The travel. So what do you have that's upcoming and exciting? Um, I'm going to Hawaii tomorrow. Oh, no way. <laughs> Caught you just my, in time. Yeah, yeah just, just a quick trip over to Oahu, which we love. Um, my husband's birthday didn't get celebrated last year, so we're kind of doing a do-over, just kind of a long weekend. And we are going to Yosemite in August, so maybe that's not that exotic. But I, yeah, I also want to say I think parents should take their kids to as many national parks as possible. I meet so many people who haven't been to the Grand Canyon. I'm like, are you kidding? People yeah, come right from here. Japan. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You, I, it's like, you have to take your kids to the Grand Canyon and to Yosemite and to Sequoia and Yellowstone and, you know, just and go hike Half Dome in Yosemite, you, you, which is amazing. Yeah. You, I just think it's, it's very affordable. It's just, a, it, we have it here. You, you're supporting it. It's, I do think national parks are, are awesome. And then in the fall, um, I actually have some credit actually with Air Tahiti Nui, so I'll probably head back down to French Polynesia um, for a few days. And I have a, a conference I'm running in Mexico. And I I don't know. I, something will come up. I'm not quite sure what. But I think next year I'm going to try to hit Egypt. Oh, that's so, exciting. Yeah, yeah. So haven't well, done that. But. 
Yeah, I haven't either. Well, Kimberly, you've been amazing. And so where can our listeners find you when they need that travel advice and to <laughs> contact you to help all the information you provided today? Um, you can contact me through my email, which is Kimberly.Croft, and that's spelled C like Charlie, R-O-F like Frank, T like Tom, at Frosh, which is F like Frank, R-O-S-C-H dot com. And I also, my personal email is KimberlyCroft at Gmail, which um, I will then correspond through my work email. But that one's easier to remember. <laughs> my phone number, you can call me, text me, 858-722-2083. I'm happy to answer just general questions. I am passionate about people having a great experience. This is blood money, and it's something you can't get back. That week, that experience yeah, you can go back, but that particular time, you can't get it back. And I hope that it's done right for you. Well, this has been amazing. I mean, there's no doubt to that last comment there where a lot of us either are spending the time or the dollars and you want to make this the best experience and the memories for you, your significant other, your family, whatever it may be. So Kimberly, been amazing. Again, thank you so much for making time for us today. Thank you, Brad. I'll see you again and you have a great day. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.